What's going on, everybody? This is Ezra McNeil once again with Real Talk with Ezra, episode 10. Wow, 10 episodes already. Uh, it's been crazy, actually, starting from February 20th to now. 10 episodes is, is not bad. Uh, so just want to say thank you to all the listeners, all the subscribers from Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, all of that. Um, this is a very special episode, not because it's just episode 10, but this is actually our first part two. Um, domestic violence, part two. Uh, the title is A Man's Survival. Oftentimes, we really don't hear the man's side of the story, you know, surviving whatever they've been through. So today I have two special guests and another um, and a guest that has been on here before for the first domestic violence episode. So, um, you know, guess if y'all just want to say who you are. Um, hi, my name is Omar Bryson. Yeah, totally. Great. <laughs> and I'm Malik Simon. Okay, so, oh. And, and my name is Kathleen Braxton, Office of Student Conduct, Violence Prevention Coordinator. So, if you uh, can't recall what the definition of domestic violence is, I'll just say it again. From a definition from the National Coalition, Coalition excuse me, Against Domestic Violence, domestic violence is willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, and or other abusive behavior as part of a systematic pattern of power and control perpetrated by one in intimate partner against another. Now, we hear that a lot from the women's side, you know, and right. it's, it's unfortunate that you know, that that happens, that males are, you know, um, some males are the ones who perpetrate the, the, the one that they say they quote unquote love. Um, but the tables turn, it go, it could go vice versa. Um, the, uh, a woman could say they quote unquote love their, um, their partner, but is giving them pure hell mm -hmm. and is very unfortunate. Yep. And what is something that something that men really don't do is talk talk about the situation why because they feel like they're not masculine you know they they feel that oh i i got this you know she's not gonna punk me but everybody needs to be heard everybody needs to you know voice what they're going through so they can get help before you know the end result could be you in the casket right by somebody you quote unquote love so today with that being said we have two you know stories um, and hopefully these stories help, you know, those out there, whoever is going through, you know, the situations that they've been through. Um, and we have some statistics and red flags uh, information as well. So, guys, if you're whoever wants to start, you know, it's, it's real talk. I, real talk. I'm just going to say abuse with men happen more often that you guys might expect, um, both heterosexual and same-sex relationships. Uh, with domestic violence, just like domestic violence abuse against women, it can take form of physical, emotional, um, verbal, sexual abuse, and even financial abuse. Mm. We don't realize that. And you talked about a couple red flags about why men don't report it. I think the biggest thing of why men don't report it is feeling ashamed. Right. We're feeling ashamed. We are men. And I have to report this um, incident. And then you guys feel like it's not a lack of resources. And believe it or not, every resource that's out there for our women is the same resources that are there for our men. Mm. Um, just statistic-wise, uh, one in four men ha is physically abused. Right. 
just alone with Jane House, James House is one of our resources that Virginia State University use a lot. Mm-hmm. Over 200 men just in 27th in 2018 wow. uh, reported being abused, um, wow. and that can be domestically or sexually abused. Uh, they didn't give us a breakdown of the number, but just 200 itself. I know on campus alone, we probably have had six or seven, mm. but how it comes Reportedly. to... Reportedly. Okay. And how it comes to us, though, is reported as a gender violence relationship. But once you hear the story, you're like, wait, so he was just protecting himself? Or he was trying to avoid responding in a violence-type way? Mm-hmm. Um, so me personally would say that you're in denial because, let's think about it, we're men. So why, you guys are men, so why would I be, well, I'm not going to tell nobody I'm getting beat up. (laughs) I'm not going to tell nobody I'm being abused if I want to do that. So um, even same-sex relationship but haven't came out yet, that is a huge one. So I'm in a same-sex relationship, I'm getting abused by my partner, but my family don't know I'm in a same-sex relationship. Mm. So therefore, I continue to take the abuse because my partner might have came out. Mm So he or she is going to use it over my head with my family, mm-hmm. especially if you have a tight-knit That's family right. or a religious religious family. So that's it for me. I'm going to let you guys come because I can't wait to hear it. Okay, guys. Oh, well, um, I don't know where to start. Well, I'll just start. I grew up in the Virgin Islands where I guess the Caribbean culture is completely different from American culture. Mm-hmm. And back home, gay people aren't accepted. I wouldn't necessarily say as much, like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been cases where gay people have been killed because they were gay. Wow. And it's just just because they were gay and they were walking alone and stuff like that. Like There's been cases like that where, you know, the community just, they turn their heads against it. So it's like, okay, well, yeah, another gay boy has died and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So growing up, for me, it was very hard to openly say, well, yeah, I'm this, I'm that. But I've never, like, denied it in my sense. Like, I've never went up to, like, everybody and, like, fought it and, like, tried to be, like, somebody I'm not. I tried to, you know, hide it in a sense to respect my family and otherwise... But, yeah. So, saying that, when I was growing up, there was this, you know, boy that, at first, I thought that it was, you know, like a mutual thing, like Mm -hmm. a relationship type thing. But then, as of right now, in this moment, I personally, I was speaking to another teacher here on campus when I first came here. Um, I personally do not know the first time that any sexual interaction happened with this person. And not knowing the first time that it happened, not knowing the first time that it happened made me feel like something bad happened because I usually do like, you know, like, get, like, night terrors mm-hmm. and stuff like that about the situation. But I never really knew what it was. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, how on TV people say, oh, they bury things deep so they mm-hmm. don't want to remember it? Yeah. I feel like I really did that. Like, because I genuinely don't remember what happened. And the only time I remember is, like, when I sleep and, like, I dream. Or, like, I remember, like, a certain smell. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, I hate the color orange. And I tell people this all the time. Like, it looks great on me and stuff like that. 
But I promise you, I know. I hate the color orange, but wow. the reason why I hate the color orange is because I know he had on an orange shirt. Wow. The first time it happened, like, I just know. Like, that's all I know. And I hate the smell. Hate the smell of vanilla. I don't know why. It's true. But it's your just, it's your it makes me cringe. I hate the color orange, and I hate the smell of vanilla. It's just... <laughs> I, I can't do it. Like, yeah. it's just not it. And for so long, I told myself, because it was happening repeatedly, I told myself, well, you know, this is normal. It's okay. Like, hmm. because I felt like I was already attracted to boys, like, I was like, oh, well, this is this what is it's it? supposed to yeah. be. Like, you know, this is cute. This is cool. But then I was like, no, this is not cute. And this is not cool. And one day... My mom found out, and my mom found out, and when, like, she didn't find out that this was happening. She found out that I liked, like, I was interested in boys and stuff like that. So, like, I was telling her, like, well, yeah, me and this person did this and da-da-da. And she was like, did he, like, you know, hurt you and stuff? I was like, not really, but yeah. And then I got in trouble, for saying that, like, I was the one that got in trouble. <laughs> wow. Because I'm not trying to make my mom the enemy, but I got in trouble for saying that. And it's like, I was punished for saying that. Because the person that did it to me was somebody that was, like, in our family circle. Like, mm. somebody that was close to us. So, when I said it, it was like, why are you putting the blame on him? Like, no, he would never do something like that. So, his mom, which is best friends with my mom. Wow. We all sat in the car, and I was crying because I was looking back at him like, you really going to sit here and tell him you didn't do anything? Like, you really going to make me look like the liar? But yeah, he made me look retarded. So I just, after that moment, I guess I shut down. I never told anybody else anything about it until I, like, came here at Virginia State where I met people that went through, like similar experiences. I don't want to say any names because mm-hmm. I'm in two organizations, right. but it's the organization that I've been in that I've met people that went through similar um, experiences that I've opened up to about it. Mm-hmm. And only now, recently, like, my mom has, like, began to believe me, but it's like I can't tell people, well, hey, this is exactly what happened. I know exactly what happened, da 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 Like, I can't explain it. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just... For so long... Pause. Let me organize my thoughts. There was this... No, there was this interview I watched with um, Gabrielle Union, right? Mm -hmm. And she talked about her lashing out on people. She talked about her lashing out on people and being mean to other people. And that's just the person she was. And I felt like in high school, I was that person. But it was only to protect myself. Mm-hmm. And the... Defense pop, mechanism. Yeah, it was like a defense mechanism. But in reality, I never wanted to tell my story. Like, right now, I'm, like, shaking on the inside. But I never wanted to tell my story because I didn't want to be painted as a victim. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be like, oh, my God, I'm all, I'm all needs, you know, taken care of. I'm all needs to be baby. Oh, my God, I'm all needs attention. It's not that I needed attention. I just wanted somebody to believe me. Mm-hmm. And mm. the fact that my own mom and my family didn't believe me, I was like, there was no need in telling friends. There was no need to tell a counselor if the people I'm supposed to trust the most in my life didn't believe me. Right. So 
I walked around with this like heaviness in my chest that I didn't want to be a victim, but at the end of the day, I wasn't a vi- victim. I was a survivor, you and are. that's you and that's what Gabrielle Union explained. And like watching that interview, like changed something in me. It made me feel like wow, it wasn't that I was a victim and that it changed me. It was just that I survived something that I don't feel comfortable speaking about. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It's actually a campaign out that's called um, Believe Him or Believe Her. That's like the first step. Like when you come to my office, um, my job is to believe you. My job is not to judge you. My job is not to question anything you tell me is I need to believe this young man who's coming into my office Um, because this is your story. Mm -hmm. This is not my story. Is not you're in the wrong field if I start judging. Mm-hmm. I'm in the wrong field if I start questioning you. If I'm asking you why or why did you allow this to happen? And to me, it seems like a lot of blame went on you with Definitely. your story than the other person. Definitely. And believe it or not, we all go go through that. The right. blame we are scared to tell our parents because we like, Ugh. especially if you have those mom, they be like, I'm gonna beat you. Well, you like, oh wait. <laughs> I'm not going to get no beating for something that I know I didn't do wrong. Right. I'm already feeling uncomfortable about doing it, mm-hmm. but now my mom don't believe me. Why, why, why do you feel like, oh, I never understood that. Like, I, I'm here telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you believe me? Like, why don't you think that, like, I'm, I'm, I'm crying out for help? Literally. What? Like, I, it's not for attention. Like, I, I'm telling you what I've been going through. Yes, I know I shouldn't have done it, whatever. Right. But help me, Mom. Help me, Dad. You know what is sad part about it? I feel like it's our culture. It's the African-American I culture. I was going to say that. Um, be, because I find it often, um, and just, just working in the field, that is our black mothers, our black fathers, they give us a hard time when we are reporting this thing. It's almost a knock at them. Like... You know how our moms just sent, the, our, sent us out and they used to always be like, don't go out and embarrass me. Mm. We didn't went out and embarrassed them now because everybody knows about that. Let's think about, mm. without switching subjects, mental health. We, you know, we all had that cousin or that auntie that grandma used to hide in the room all the time. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. never understood why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have, as sexual assault victims, you have that label as well. Yeah. Like, and like you said, I don't want to be a victim. I'm a survivor. You are a survivor. And your step is that you are already telling your story. And you're gonna now continue to tell your story. Oh, this definitely, <laughs> but it's just, it's just ah. But yeah, I completely agree with the whole um, parent not accepting things. But I feel like also because it is the African American community, but in the Caribbean, it's a sense of it's a sense of pride, mm-hmm. like. I don't know what it is, but it's just people, people back home, and I'm saying back home, like the entire Caribbean, they care about what people think about them. And sometimes, yes, it takes, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like the community is always there for you, but it's like once one negative flaw of you is brought about the entire community knows so now you lost your sense of pride Mm. or you lose like your meaning to that community Mm -hmm. and i feel like because my mom was prominent in the community and she was like uh ambassador like somebody that had like the listen the entire island probably more islands and other states know her (laughs) but it be i feel like because of that status i feel like it was very hard for her to accept 
still very hard for her to accept that I am gay, one, and that, two, that this happened to me. And when it happened, I didn't tell, I didn't, after it happened, I didn't tell her this. But, like, when I went to school, when I went to school, I wouldn't say all my friends, probably, like, three people were still talking to me. And I was a very social person. Like, everybody knew me. But after that got out, and I was, like, telling my friends or told somebody I could trust, she told the, the girl told the school counselor, and because that was her cousin. The, the boy was her cousin. Wow. So I thought, like, we were friends for a very long time. So I was like, okay, well, if, if it's her cousin, she would understand not to, like, tell him anything. Because I'm best friends. I'm best friends with his younger brother. Like, we were supposed to be born the same day. Like I said, his mom and my mom were, like, best That's friends. Right. So, like, we grew up together. Um, but when I told the girl, she told the counselor. And within the same day that I told her everything, the counselor came back to... The counselor called his parents... And she came, his parent came to school, basically, like, cursed me out Ooh. and told me, I don't know why you lying on my son, da-da-da-da. Wow. And then, of course, he told all his group of boys. Mm. So then, like, every morning, they were all, like, lined up in front of the gate, and I wouldn't be able to get to class. Like, wow. like it was bad. It was bad. And, like, all my friends stopped talking to me because it was like, yeah, um, it's not that we don't believe you. It's just, you know... Yeah, like they didn't really have a reason. So they retaliated against you because they thought you were a liar? They thought I lied. Wow. And at this point, you're not claiming abuse. You're thinking that you have a relationship with this other person? Wow. Wow. I told y'all my story is crazy. (laughs) But yeah, that's what happened. And I was just like, because at that moment in time, I didn't know that that's what it was. I didn't know that it was wrong. Mm-hmm. So I guess everybody else saw everybody else saw that it was something wrong, but in my mind I didn't see that it was something wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why everybody was so mad. Like, why would you say he did that? Why would da 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 da? And in my mind I was like, I didn't really say anything bad. I just said that you know we had a relationship or whatever, yeah. and people didn't like that. So you know I wouldn't say I got bullied, but I did get bullied yeah. for telling the truth. Telling the truth, <laughs> and then. Nobody believed me, so it was just like eighth grade was horrible. That was, was eighth grade. It was yeah, eighth grade. Yeah, wow. eighth grade was trash. Wow. Eighth grade was trash. Huh? Yeah, no, I'm thinking this I'm is thinking high school. school. <sighs> I'm gonna let you go before I get to high school. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I'm Malik Simon, and I'm from I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, but Cape County to be exact. And like, I'm, this is my first. This is my second semester here at Virginia State University. I transferred from Morehouse College. You went to Morehouse. Yes, that's where I transferred from. Wow. So like you know that's an all male yep. school. Yep. We had yep. well, it, it's called the CAU. Like you know like AUC like Atlanta Universities and Colleges. Yeah, Clark Atlanta School. CAU Clark. You know we all in the same vicinity. So it was like basically like this is one school. It's like two other schools. You know connected together. Mm-hmm. So basically like my entire I had problems like with talking to like. DL men, like, you know, like, DL, well, not men, but DL boys. Uh-huh. Like, boys that are not fully out yet. Oh. Like, I never really talked to, like, uh, maybe, like, a few boys that were out, but you really couldn't tell they were, like, you know, homosexual, gay. You really couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, I always was attract, like, DL boys, like, you know, people on the football team, basketball team, people, like, of, like, 
sport athletics stuff like yeah. that yeah. so that was my that was my failure to doing that so basically like when I was going to Morehouse my sophomore because I'm a junior now my sophomore year my first semester of sophomore year this guy he played basketball for Morehouse mm-hmm. so like we had a class together so it started off with like you know like oh you got the answer to the test or like can we study you know on some chill stuff you know like nothing wild right. just like trying to hit you just to get your number or like just so you can have like conversation with them yeah so we linked up a few times in the library doing homework and stuff like that. I, I didn't think nothing about it because with me, I don't assume like nobody is gay. I don't assume, I'm not going to put, oh, this, he chilling with me, so yeah. he's got to be like that. That's not me. So it was like, I'm, I don't assume nothing. I just let it ride. So it was like, okay, he was talking about girls and stuff. So I was like, okay, cool. He not, yeah. he can't be like, you know, gay or something, nothing like that. Right. So we ended up, you know, chilling more. He was like, well, what's your schedule? Like, can we hang out? Like, so it was like, it's not... Red flags being thrown at me, but I'm still not that type of person to assume that somebody is gay. Like, I'd never do that. So, after that, like, I was hitting up my friends. I was like, I know this boy. He on the basketball team. Like, do y'all know him? They was like, we've heard of him, but, you know, he had girlfriends in the past, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. He was a junior at the time when I was a sophomore. So, that means right now he's he's about to graduate. He's a senior. So... It went on and on. We had class. We had um, we had General Kim one together. General mm-hmm. Kim one. So he, an athlete, don't really know about you know chemistry. I'm a biology major, okay. so I was helping him out. So one night we was chilling together, and he didn't really like make a move. But it was like it was me and him in a room, and it was like he just kind of like he was asking a whole bunch of questions. Like I can see that he's curious about some stuff. So it was like. You asked me about like my sexual preference. Do I talk to anybody here on on the AUC campuses, mm-hmm. stuff like that? I'm like, I don't really talk to nobody for real, for real. Like, I'm from Atlanta. I, of course, I have like friends back in Buckhead County, like or around the areas, but I know people. So like, he was chilling on the couch or whatever, and then like he just like put his hand on my shoulder. Like it was like some real slight. So I'm like, okay, why is this heterosexual male putting his hands on me? You know, like there's right. some real slight. So I'm like, okay, that's like. It was a red flag, but I'm like, okay, maybe he's just real comfortable. It wasn't me being naive or like in denial. It was just like, yeah, I don't like to assume nothing. Yeah. Like, so like after that, we parted ways. So like, I'm gonna see you tomorrow. Like on some real chill stuff. So like the next day, um, we started hanging out more, hanging out more. And so like a couple of weeks later, I was being very, very like not persistent. I'm being very patient. And so he finally he was like, I'm DL. You know, I don't like to know on campus, but I do like boys. Mm-hmm. So of course in my head, like I'm doing backflips and stuff. I'm like, okay, he did. He like, <laughs> he yeah. like boys. I'm like, okay, right. cool. And he looked good. So I'm like, boom. So this is like around October. Basketball season is approaching. So you know you got like your first couple of games. Right. They're not real games, but it's just like little tournament games. Yeah. So like after that, we started chilling and hanging out more, going out, doing. He wasn't even. He's not even from Atlanta. He's actually from. I think he's from Florida, so he don't know nothing about Atlanta scene. So I was hanging, hanging out with him, showing him around Atlanta, things to do. Wanted to go to Cascade, like just little stuff that people want to do when they go to Atlanta, that right. sort of stuff. So like, as we moved into the um, basketball season, we was chilling more and stuff like that, and we was getting to like a agreement of like what we were getting to. Like he was going like you know he wasn't talking to nobody. We was just talking. It was just me and him. So like one day. He had practice in the gym. I was coming out of class. I had a chem lab from one to four. It was a four-hour lab I had. I will never forget. Right. I could, we couldn't sit down at all. So 
I had I was a cheerleader, so we had practice at four thirty. So after my lab, I was going straight to practice. But mm-hmm. he was like, I need something to drink. Okay. So I was like, okay. So I'm, I went to go get him something to drink. He told me the flavor. He wanted like some cool blue Gatorade. Mm-hmm. So I went to the vending machine, and they didn't have that kind. So I got him a different kind. I got him like regular fruit punch Gatorade, like the red kind. What? Okay. Okay. Nah, okay. Okay. <laughs> so I'm walking to the gym. The gym was like I want to say like a ten minute walk. So the gym and the field was close by each other. We practice chillers. We practice on the on the field. So I'm going to the gym. Him and his teammates in there. He, I'm texting. I'm like, okay, I'm in the gym. Waiting for you. Like, right, I'm about to come out the locker room. Like, give me five minutes. So he changed whatever. He come out the locker room, and everybody like you know they running into the court. Like we like in this little it's like a little foyer section, and I hand him the Gatorade. He like. What is this? I'm like, this is... This is what they had. This yeah. is what they had. Like, they didn't have cool blue. They didn't have what you asked me to get. To give you, yeah. So he was like, I didn't ask for this, though. Like, and I never seen the side of him because, like, at this point, I'm like... When I feel like you're getting, like, aggressive, I don't get... I feel very uncomfortable. Like, if you even, like, you start punching walls, I'm getting uncomfortable. It's like, why am I around you? Like, I don't feel... Yeah. You haven't been showing me this for the past couple months. Like you showing me different sides. Who, like who? Who are you really? Who are you for yeah. real? Like have you been friend? Like have you been flexing this whole entire time? Mm-hmm. So he goes and like he just grabs me like real aggressively. Like why? Like grabs me. And at this point, like my head is like, I I was like I said a cuss. I was like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. Why you got your hands on me? He was like because you didn't give me the right Gatorade. So like he threw the Gatorade back at me. So then, like, he went back, he left. So I'm like, at this point, I'm about to be like, for practice. So I'm about to be like, I was like, okay, forget you. I'm going to go do I have an attitude. It's like, okay, since you did that, you showed your behind. I'm about to yeah. go. Like, right. that's it. Like, you're cut off. So I'm going to practice whatever. I can't even really focus on practice because I'm like, this boy just showed me a different side of him that I'd never seen before. So I'm like, out of it at practice. So I go back to my room. I'm doing home. I don't know. I was doing homework. I was just chilling in my room. I get a text message. So he got a price like around eight o'clock. I got a text message saying, "What are you doing?" In my head, I'm like, "Did you just forget what happened earlier? Like you, you forgetting like what's going on?" Mm-hmm. So he was, "I'm finna come up. I'm finna, I'm finna pull up to your dorm." So I was like, "Okay." He came in, and like we just chilled. In my head, like we chilling, watching like watching TV, doing homework. I'm like, "So you didn't remember what you did earlier?" I'm saying this in the back of my head, like you don't know what you did earlier, right? So then, question: Were were you comfortable like in that, or or did you still feel uncomfortable? I was comfortable right then and there because I'm like, okay, he chilled, okay. like he's chilling right now, like yeah. I'm good. But at this point, I'm still going to ask him, like, okay, what why did you do this? Yeah. So I was like, he, I didn't even have to ask him at first. He was like, I'm sorry for earlier. Like it was like an hour into the room, he was like, I'm sorry, that's never going to happen again. Right. That's the that right there is like the words that's like the first step. That's know. the first step of something that's about. It's going to be a leading strand. Yeah. So, we go on about some stuff, and like a couple of weeks, like that weekend, this that was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. So that weekend, Friday, they had like run-throughs of plays and stuff like that. And we was going to, we was going out to eat. And I left my phone, like me, I'm not a secretive person. Like if I'm talking to somebody, like I'm not about to be like entertaining other people. Mm-hmm. Like if I want you, I want you. So basically, one of my friends, well, one of my friends that went to high school, he's from Buckhead, texts me, asking him, like, because I'm a dancer as well. He was like, when I'm going to link him, do some dances and stuff like that. He seen that message, and he was like, who is this texting you? So basically, like, if you ask me, like, it says one of my friends, I was like, that's one of my friends from high school, like, we dance. 
you want to see his Instagram where we have pictures together it's nothing like that so basically he got aggressive over that that somebody like another boy was texting me when you still be having like other females texting you as well like mm you still dibbling, dabbling. You right. running back and forth, too. So how you going to get mad at me? Because one of my friends, somebody that I'm not even entertaining, is trying to link up with me to do some type of, you know, agreement. Mm-hmm. So with that, he start, you know, punching stuff, throwing stuff in my room because he's... Oh, this, his, yeah. is, this is in your room? This is in my room. Wow. In my territory. Like, wow. you throwing my stuff. So it was like, now you got an anger problem. Like, something, something's going on. And of course, to me, I'm like, okay... I'm a nice people say I'm all like I'm too nice. All my friends and sisters be like, Well you too nice. Mm-hmm. So I had called I have twin brothers. At the time my twin brothers was like thirteen, they fifteen now. But they real mature for their age. Like I told them like they really mature. So I told them about it, they was like they was cursed, they cursed. I'm like, <laughs> It was like bump that boy, like leave him alone. Like I'm, a, I'm about to tell mom and dad that somebody like mm, in your okay. area that's like doing, like doing too much. I was like, no, don't say nothing because my dad is an alumni of Morehouse and Morehouse Medicine, so he's an alumni. So I would know, like, if he was wow. coming to the school, I'd be like embarrassing, not embarrassing on me, but my dad would have to come to the school. And they was like, okay, why is my father here? Like something's going on. I don't want people in my business. Yeah. So I was just like, leave it alone. It's good. So to expedite this situation, it occurred after that little temperature she threw in my room. After that, I was going to meet him at the gym one day. He was working out, his team was in there. He came outside and he was like, why are you here? I was like, because the chillers we were working out in here as well. Mm-hmm. But he was like, I don't want you in here because I don't want none of my team suspecting that I'm messing with you. I was like, how would they suspect something that you're messing with if you mm-hmm. give them something to think that you're messing with? Guilty conscience. You're guilty. Mm-hmm. That's nothing that's with DL men. Like, we don't all, it's a straight males on this campus, but that doesn't mean like a, hom- a homosexual male wants you. Right. That does not mean nothing. Like, we don't, they be like, people be like, oh, he gay, I don't want to talk to him. Boy, you don't even look good. We don't want you. Like, <laughs> church say amen. We do not want you. Like, like you have nothing to offer. Amen. We're good. Like, we don't want you. Wow. So, like, like the church say amen. don't want you. I don't know why straight men think that all gay boys want them. Yeah. We don't. But to add on, he was, um, he went that day. That day when we was in um, the gym, we was outside. One of his coaches seeing how aggressive he was. He got aggressive with me in the hallway that day as well. Mm. And one of his coaches seeing what he was doing. So the coaches, he was like, yo, we in the gym. Like, we, what you doing out here? He, he was like, get in the gym. So after that, after our practice was over, his coach came up to me. He was like, is such and such, are y'all friends? Like, what's going on with y'all? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's, of course, you know, he did. So I'm like, yeah, that's my friend. That's like my homeboy. Yeah. He was like, because I've been seeing some activity and some of his teammates were suspecting that he was like, you know, DL, they saw messages, stuff like that. Mm. So I'm like, I want to put this I'm like, I don't yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Like, maybe. But he was like, I'm going to have a talk with you know, and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Motor story, he ended up getting. Um, he was uneligible to play the rest of that season because of what he was doing to me. Okay. So he was he couldn't play basketball. He sat the rest of that season out. Right. And he came back this season. He played 2018-2019 season, so he's, he played this year. Okay. But last semester, the year before, he was uneligible to play due to the things that was occurring with me mm. and other people on Spelman campus and Clark. He was doing other things. Wow, well. wow. So yeah, that's, that was that. It was just, it was a lot. Like, dealing with DL boys, it's a project like not a project it's a to me it's a project because like they're not out 
and I be wanting to do things that's like yeah. I want to do, but you can't because they're not out. Yeah, and it leads you to be like questionable. Yeah. Um. Did in any of that time, like, did you feel? I mean, besides like threatening, like, oh my god, like this guy, he, he how do I get away from it? You know. Yes. Like I was sitting there. Like something just happened. Like the other day with this as well. Like I was in somebody's room. And, like, they just went, like, ballistic because they lost an item of theirs. And I'm just sitting in the chair, and, like, I'm on my phone, and, like, he playing the game, and, like, he just throw his controllers. Like, what? he throw the controllers. I was like, okay. I'm still, like, I'm acting, I'm like, I'm just scrolling on my phone, like, I'm just trying to, like, soon as like, he's over there, I'm right, I'm just, like, scrolling. So then he get up, and he, like, punches TV, pushes TV, he didn't break his TV, but he, like, push, yeah. I'm like, okay. So at this point, I'm Start feeling real uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, now you got a problem. So then after that, like, he has, like, some prescribed pills. Like, it's, like, IB, it says ibuprofen, but it's not, like, regular ibuprofen to Advil is 200 milligrams. Mm. My dad is a surgeon, so I know all about medicine and stuff like that. Like, right, okay. 200 milligrams, that's, like, that's the, you know, that's the dosage. Yeah. His was 800. Oh. He took two. So eight hundred times two. What what is that? That's sixteen. Yeah. Wow. So he took that. Are you sure it's two ibuprofen? <laughs> yeah. It says ibuprofen. He wow. took two of those, and then he tweeted. He was like, "Um, well, took two. You know, ibuprofen. Blah blah blah. My body feels relaxed. So like, so my thing is right now. You have you need a depressant to get you together. But then he was like, "It's for my back. I got back problems. But you're abusing this now. Right. So that's another problem. You're abusing it. Mm. So." That? Oh, so, ever since then, I haven't seen nothing like real suspicious activity. But right now, I'm just on edge. You know, mm-hmm. I'm on edge. It's like when I feel uncomfortable now, I have a problem. But then the next one, I woke up to an apology on the text message saying, "I'm sorry, I apologize for it how it happened. It won't happen again." Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll so, see. So, how do you? Because um, of course, it's not the first time that has yeah. happened. How do you? I guess mm, defend yourself. Um, from those that you know, or or do you see it before it actually happens? You know what? I don't really see nothing beforehand because it's like I don't like assume. I don't like see nothing before. I like give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Like mm-hmm. okay, that one time maybe you are mad because you lost something. I'm gonna give you that. But it's like this is how you really act. Yeah. It's like this, you gotta punch your TV. You gotta throw mm-hmm. your controllers. You give me a three year old actions right now. Right. You're throwing stuff like my my twin brothers. They're 15. They don't be doing this, and you 21. Mm. Why are you doing a fit? With, mm. with me, though, I think it's the the complete opposite. Because, um, like I was saying, in high school, it was, it was completely different for me. Like, I've been in situations where you have been, but I'm a person. I don't play that. Like, the first time, I'm probably going to smack you. <laughs> like, no, no. I'm, I'm probably wrong for that, but... You're not going to throw a remote at me or grab my hand and then not expect me to hit you back. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, if we were in public explaining your story, like, and he grabbed your hand, I promise you I was going to smack him in front of all his teammates. Like, wow. you're not going to grab me yeah. any type of way and then tell me, oh, this is the wrong drink. You're going to appreciate that I brought you a drink. And if you don't like it, I'm going to throw the drink at you. Or I'm going to smack you and walk away. <laughs> and then that's the end. But, like, for me, I feel like it was, like, more emotional. Mm-hmm. abuse than it was um physical okay. only because of like i said i had to protect myself i was a strong like had to build this wall against people so like for me 
the way that people would get to me is through their emotions. So like in high school, the same actually the same the same boy was still went go still going to high school, the same high school for us. But in high school we had this project that we had to do. Mm-hmm. It was called the mass project or whatever. And after this project, I, I promise you, my life took a spin. Because after this project, like, the base of the project was to paint a mask the way, the way people see you and then paint another half of the mask the way you see yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love oh, my, Like, I promise you, after that project, like, in the process of making that project, I've never cried so much. Because I realized at that moment that I was building up so much. I was hiding so much. I didn't tell people a lot. Like, the, it was 14, 18 people in that class. The 18 people in that class, I'm still friends with up to that day. Because we all told each other things that I myself, I'm never going to tell anybody what they said. And I'm not going to repeat what I said in that room. Only because that was our safe space. And, like... Before it, before that project, like the teacher was saying, she was like, "You don't have to come up here and say anything. Mm-hmm. Like you could just fake it. Like you could just, you know, say suns and butterflies, da da da." da. But after, like, it was a long day. It was like like three days to do the project because there was eighteen of us, and she knew it would take long. So like, I went on like the last day, and after like hearing everybody else's story, it was just like. Am I really about to go up there and, like, BS this and, like, not, like, tell my truth? Yeah. Because they told their... Like, and I just felt like it would be very unfair Mm -hmm. if I went up there and, like, not say... Because they didn't have to. Because they didn't have to. And in the process of going through all of that, like, I realized that I had feelings for somebody else. But when I got up there, I explained the story and everything. Everybody else is crying. That's how I knew something was wrong. At the moment, because I'm telling the, the same story I'm telling y'all. I'm telling this story to them. And then at the time, too, like, I lost my father when I was, um, I lost my father when I was 10. Wow. And I was, like, very angry because he was barely there before. So he tried to be there. So then when he was, like, starting to, you know, be more active in my life, it was, like, snap and he was gone. So I was, like, very angry. And I'm, like, explaining all this and everybody else is crying. And I'm not shedding one tear. So I'm just like, what's wrong? And then that's when, like, I realized that <clears throat> something something inside my brain was not clicking. Like, the emotions and something wasn't there. Or you was building strength. That's what I said. But then, <laughs> That's what I said. But then I knew something was wrong because when I went home, I completely... When I went home, I completely broke down. <laughs> and I completely broke down. And there was this one boy that I called. I called him and I like was speaking to him or whatever. And from that moment on, our relationship grew. But he was straight and I felt like I was getting feelings for him. Mm-hmm. Now, time fast forward. This was the end of 11th grade. Fast forward to senior year where it's like I've come to realization with my feelings and stuff like that. And I'm not going to cry. I come to my realization with my feelings and my best friend comes to tell me that she also likes him. So now going through the fact that because I'm still going through it. My mom doesn't believe me still. still And the boy is still going to the school and I still have to see him every single day. 
my I I didn't have a man to go to to tell because my father passed away, and now it's like I'm about to be in an, another situation where this person could possibly do the same thing to me or may not do the same thing because you know he's supposed to be straight, mm-hmm. but. Besides the whole emotional drama, this, that, this, that, this boy, I wouldn't say, like, changed my life or wrecked me, but it was another type of abuse because it was like he used to cut himself. Mm. And it's like, I don't like when people hurt themselves. So it's like, it was a manipulation thing in a sense Mm. where it was like, I'm going to hurt myself to keep Amal here, knowing that I don't want Amal in a sexual way. I just need him for emotional support. I'm going to hurt myself to keep him here. But it's just like, he wasn't the only person doing it. So it's like everybody else, like not to put their situations on the line, but like my friends, I knew like there were girls that were hurting themselves to keep men in the relationship, Mm -hmm. to keep them there. So it wasn't just like me as a homosexual boy getting mentally abused. There were my friends, other male friends I knew at the same time that were like getting like pregnancy scares. Oh, she's pregnant. I have to stay in a relationship with her. Although I don't really want to stay with her. So it's like everybody at that time, I don't know what was going on, but was like basically getting mentally and emotionally abused. And I was just like, what is going on? And I myself tried to take myself out of the situation. But the minute I tried to take myself out of the situation, it escalated where it wasn't, I'm cutting myself. It was like, I'm going to kill myself. And one night, I'm not going to cry because I wouldn't tell this, like, this story to, like, two people. One night, we were in his room because I used to, like, stay with his, like, by his house with his parents and stuff. And I was like, if you're going to kill yourself, I'm going to kill myself, too. Like, wow. if you're going to do it, then I'm going to do it, too. Since you want to be that unfair and you want to be that stupid, I'm going to do it, too. And then he was like, are you really? I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like, what do you mean, am I really? Like, I'm going to do it. Since you want to sit here and die, I'm going to do it, too. But I was like, am I really? Are you really about to do this? Like, in my mind, I was like, what is going on? Because there was so much pressure building up to the point where it was like, now you have completely changed my view of myself. Mm. I don't see myself as a strong person anymore. Like, you've made me out to be the victim. You've made me feel like I am not worthy of no being here. Love yourself. Like, I no longer love myself because of what I've been through. Like, you're not blaming me, but you're painting me out to be somebody I don't want to be. But maybe I am that person, and that's what I was questioning. In that situation, that night, he, like, took the razor, and he was, like, cutting himself in front of me, and I physically fought him. I physically fought him to get the razor back. Wow. Like, we were fighting probably for, like, 20 minutes. I I don't want to laugh because it's not something I should laugh about, but I couldn't make any noise because his brother was in the next room, and his parents were down the hall. So it was like, I'm physically fighting you to stop killing yourself. And you really want to do this. Like, you really want to take the razor and kill yourself. I'm just like... What is wrong with this boy? So I'm, like, physically fighting him to get it back from him. And I got it back from him. But then he continued to, like, egg me on to, like, get me mad. So I myself was, like, you know, choking him. And he was, like, yeah, kill me. I want to die. I said, I let go of him. Mm -hmm. And he was on the floor. And he was, like, gasping for air and stuff. I was, like... 
this is toxic. Like mm-hmm. this is yeah. this, yes. this is bad. Yeah. This is this is very bad. This is very bad. But the reason all of that happened as well, there was so much abuse happening at that time that it was crazy because the reason the part of the reason why this happened is because my other friend bullied him. Not bullied him, but like manipulated him into having sex with her. Cause so in reality, he was gay, and he had sex with... I feel like he was bisexual. Okay. Honestly, truly. I feel like he was, probably still is, but I feel like he was manipulated because his, he, they were sitting in a car or whatever, and she was like, oh, so you like, like a man? He was like, I don't really know. Like, he's uncomfortable about it already, mm-hmm. and he was like, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know what to tell my parents, because his parents were Catholic. He mm-hmm. was like, I don't really know what to tell my parents. Like, I don't really know. And she was like, well, you're just going to sit here and leave me alone in the car and, like, not do nothing. Like, if you know you, if you, know you like me, then you like me. Like, do something. Mm-hmm. And then, so basically, like, she was egging him on to, like, have it's sex psyche. with like playing with him and then he came after after that he came home I, I don't want to say it like this but he came home to me and it was like what am I going to do now like I'm in this place where I don't really know what's going on mm-hmm. so I'm going to put the pain that I'm feeling onto somebody yes. else and that's exactly what he did for that night and I'm a very caring person. I like him. I'm a little too nice. I'm a little too forgiving. Oh, yeah. So, it was just like after that, I continuously took care of him. Mm. And until one time, he like got mad at me in front of everybody. Because now it was like, it was a secret. Because he didn't want to say anything. But like, you know how everybody has like their suspecting eyes. Everybody mm. sees everybody together. da 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 one day, we came back from a trip. Oh, my gosh. I'm so stupid. I'm just replaying all this in my head. I'm dumb. I'm so dumb. But we went, on a, we went on a cruise or whatever. And basically, on the cruise, he wasn't talking to anybody. He shut down. Like, he wasn't speaking to anybody. He was only mm-hmm. speaking to me. And then one day, popped up. He started talking to the same girl that, you know, forced him to do the thing. I was like... Wait, hold on. Nah, you playing games, bro. <laughs> so I, like, stopped talking to him, and I ignored him. I said, nah, this ain't it. I'm about to get lit on this cruise. This is this yeah. my senior trip. This is not what it's about to be. Wow. And I literally, see, see how we're sitting here? Mm-hmm. I was talking. See, I'm talking to you. And he would be trying to call me. Like, Ma, Ma, I'd be like, mm. Wow. <laughs> like, I completely ignored him. I was done. Like, he, he'd be saying my name three times. I was like, as a matter of fact, you guys, because he, like, kept, like, kicking me, trying to get my attention. I was like, as a matter of fact, you guys, I'm done. I'm going to get up to go to my room. And then he was like, I'm all, I'm all. He said my name loud. Y'all ever been on a cruise in, like, the dining hall mm-hmm. where like, they sit you at separate tables? Mm-hmm. So we were, like, at separate tables. Like, our group was, like, table one, table two, table three, table four. And we were sitting at table three. So he got up. He was like, I'm all, I'm all. Now, everybody on the floor in the cruise ship was now, like, looking at me and I'm just like walk him out walk this is embarrassing we get back to the room he basically forced me to have a conversation with him and the conversation he says is that I love you Amal I care about you I'm glad that we're gonna go to college together oh yeah he's here but I'm glad we're gonna go to this Oh, glad. Yes. Wow. I'm glad we're going to go to the same college. (laughs) Listen. Is there a part two? Uh, (laughs) Right. I'm glad we're going to go to the same college together and everything, but I'm going to go with her because it's what everybody else wants me to do. Okay. So he's he's not even listening to his own heart. He's listening to everybody else's opinion. 
Wait, wow. she she's not here. She? No, but she's an hour away. Wow. Wow. Listen. Wow. And but that just I, I was yeah, just, I crazy. was I know I was just saying that to say that at the point I was still being abused, abused mm-hmm. emotionally and mentally and manipulated because up to this point, up to this point we got to we got to college. We got to college now, and he's, like, staying here or whatever. And there was one night where he was on the phone with her, and he was, like... Like, I feel like he himself was being mentally abused by her. Mm. And, like, that's why I said it was, like, a... I don't want to say it like this, but an abuse triangle in a sense. Yeah, right. And I feel like he was being mentally abused by her and controlled, and, like, he felt trapped. And he used to hurt himself or whatever. And one night he hurt himself really, 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 really bad. Mm. And of from, course, from cutting. He cut himself. He was punching himself. Like he wow. was like, he like I don't want to say he hated himself, but he disliked himself to the point where he, he just, just didn't care. He just didn't care. Mm. And of course, I went to his rescue or whatever. And I in that moment I realized that. I was, like, traumatized. Like, everything else came back. Where it was, like, mm-hmm. the the boy from back home, him, everybody else. It's just, like, after the physical abuse and, like, I was, like, molested and raped and stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like I put up such a strong wall that protected me from physical abuse yeah. that I left, like, a gap open for emotional and mental yeah. abuse that right. I, up to now, probably haven't healed from it. Right. But it's just something that you know people go especially mental abuse i feel like people don't speak about it because it's mental they don't think it's something real right but people definitely can be manipulated into doing things and that's that's part of abuse to me absolutely and i know friends like girls that do this to boys like i said at the time like girls were saying oh i'm pregnant oh i'm this Oh, like trying to keep the boy in the relationship, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, why are you doing this to him? Like, you realize you're hurting him, yeah. And I feel like people don't realize that girls do do that too. Like, yes, yes, oh, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> going from you saying the 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 psychological abuse, the you know emotional abuse. Um, some statistics once again from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence: forty-eight point eight percent of men have experienced at least one psychological aggressive behavior, um, in quotes, being kept track of by demanding to know his whereabouts, insulted or humiliated or felt threatened by a partner's actions uh, by a partner in their lifetime. Another thing, what you were saying, basically manipulation. Um, four in ten men have experienced at least one form of coercive control, um, in quotes again, Isolation from friends and family, manipulation, blackmail, deprivation of liberty, threats, economic control, and exploitation by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Um, wow. Wow. I feel like I'm still going through it right now, but mm. that's another story. But <laughs> it's just, to me, I feel like oh, there was, I was about to say something, manipulation. Damn. Well, a, a question um, I, I would have is... You're saying that, you know, you're you're finding strength through all the you're finding strength through all of this. Now, for those who, who have been in, in your position and actually may have gone through worse, how how does the healing start? Um and 
you helping others? How 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 does helping you and then helping others, you know, begin and, and stuff like that? Um I honestly what I did in high school was that I wrote everything out. This is how my mom found out because like I said, I didn't tell her until like recently this year that I was um molested and raped. Mm-hmm. But I didn't say anything up to now. I probably still don't feel as comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it has to, it is going to be talked about. It has as, to happen. So yeah. It has to happen. That, like, it, basically everything that happens in the dark has to be brought to the light right. eventually. Yes. So I wrote, I wrote about the, I wrote them out. Like, I wrote poems and, like, wrote stories where, like, I would use different characters or, like, I would use different people just so that. I could write it out and it felt real mm-hmm. because I felt like keeping it inside made me feel like this didn't, this didn't really happen. Like mm-hmm. I was trying to convince myself that it didn't happen, but putting it out onto paper and like reading it over, it made, made part of it feel real. Like this is what happened. Mm-hmm. And I feel like accepting, accepting what has been done to you is the hardest thing ever Mm -hmm. because sometimes it's not your fault right sometimes and sometimes it is your fault and i I, well i don't want to say that abuse is ever anybody's fault yes but sometimes we do put ourselves in situation that could have been prevented Mm -hmm. and knowing that it could have been prevented you sometimes put blame on yourself and i feel like accepting accepting your faults is one of the hardest things towards healing or taking steps toward healing, mm-hmm. accepting the mistakes and what has happened is the hardest thing. But for me, I guess I'm still accepting certain certain things, but I feel like what helped me accept it was that it's weird, but I watch Scandal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 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 no. I watch, I watch, I watch Scandal and there was, there were three episodes that um, Shonda Rhimes wrote the monologues for mm-hmm. that Carrie Washington said because sometimes she doesn't write all the stuff okay. um, and she doesn't direct every episode but Shonda Rhimes wrote these monologues it was one monologue about um, stolen moments um, mm-hmm. Olivia was speaking to a client or something and she was basically telling the client that you can't keep living for stolen moments in hotel closets and da 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 mm-hmm. and at some point you're gonna have to accept that the situation that you want with somebody is not real and then there was another moment when she was like I wish I never laid eyes on him like she was talking about Fitz or something like that mm-hmm. and in that monologue she was speaking about owning her faults and accepting what has happened and knowing that it's going to affect everybody else around her mm-hmm. and she can't um, fall out of love with the person that's causing all of this but she also can't undo the past mm-hmm. and realizing and realizing that I can't undo the past and no matter how much I want to dream up something different or realize something different like these things have happened and the only thing that I can do is change the future and I know that that's very easy for me to say and very hard for somebody to like try and wake up and do every morning mm-hmm. but like I really had to like try my best like literally last year was when like i went through like my whole change and everything and i started like my youtube channel and stuff Mm -hmm. but like that's when i went through like my change and everything and like i woke up and i told myself this is what it is 
accept it and keep going Mm -hmm. that there's nothing that can be changed like yesterday is yesterday you can't change it but what you can do is change today like i can change how the world sees me and how i see myself you know that you're a survivor the world may see you as a victim make them see you as a survivor like it's your choice the way the world sees you and sometimes Sometimes it really is up to just you. You might want support from other people. You might want people to believe you. Like I said, I went a very long time without my mom believing me. But at some point, you're going to have to believe in yourself for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I felt like in that situation or in situations like that, you want other people to believe you so that your security and your sense of... Yeah, your sense of security that was destroyed is reprimanded or reciprocated by the people that believe you so the more people that believe you the more you feel like okay i wasn't wrong this this wasn't wrong i'm gonna be okay but sometimes there isn't people to believe you there Mm -hmm. aren't gonna be people to believe you so you just have to like believe in yourself Mm -hmm. enough to wake up in the morning and say this happened to me it's gonna take a very long time to to fully accept that but i feel like you know, just, you got to keep going. That's what I'm doing now. Like, I just really tried to tell myself that, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. So, like, I tell myself, put positive energy out into the world. And eventually, it may not come back immediately, but at some point it in your life, it will come back. At the right time. At the right time when you need it. Yes. So, you may feel that, oh, I'm sorry, I'm about to preach. But <laughs> it's just like... Everything in your life is a process. Mm -hmm. And I feel that sometimes in situations like this, people want to skip to the end. They want to skip to the part where you're over it. You want to skip to the part where you're happy and you're not, like, getting flashbacks anymore or, like, stuff like that. But the process is the most beautiful part. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think people understand. Like, I always use this analogy, like, when I'm talking to myself, when a plant is growing especially fruit plants. The end of a plant growing is producing the fruit and then eventually dying. Or if you're another plant, then you grow to produce more fruit. But the end of the cycle is producing that fruit. But the most beautiful plant, part of a plant is the flower. But that flower happens in the process before the fruit. So you can't get the flower and the beauty out of the process without you going through it. A lot of people want to skip it. They want to take shortcuts and say, well, oh, I'm over him. Let me block him. And then three years later, you're back in the same cycle because now he's physically in front of you. You're getting flashbacks, like out of sight, out of mind thing. I feel like I'm a person like I like to confront things head on and just, you know, go with it. And whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's how I feel about life. <laughs> that's, well, that that that's that's crazy. I have a few more questions, but we're gonna take a little break real quick. All right. All right. So we'll be right back, and we're back with uh, real talk with Ezra. It's so funny the tenth episode with the first commercial break. Um, <laughs> um, but going back into the conversation, being a survivor, that's one thing, mm-hmm. but being a man surviving it is another so how could you explain like the masculinity side that that people it's just like oh i'm not gonna talk because i'm a man they gonna think i'm a punk um like but but we're men we everybody goes through something but it's just that 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 toxic masculinity that we have especially in the black community that 
we just have to tough out everything, thug it out through all things. So how how do y'all feel about that? How do how can we change it? Um, to look at it by saying like it's okay, whatever you're going through, it's okay to speak up about it. Um, I just think men need to just like they need to. What I'm looking for just open up more because men are just very some men are very closed minded uh-huh. and they don't want to put their feelings out on the table. That's, men have a problem with expressing themselves through anything. They just think, oh, smoking weed, oh, getting on the game, playing 2K, playing Madden, oh, going to the court, getting on the field. That's a relief of expressing. Yes, it's a relief of expressing your feelings and getting like anger out, but sometimes you just need to talk about some of the things that's occurring around you and your surroundings too help build you up. Some of that stuff is going to help you release some of that stuff out. It's going to help you grow into a better man that you can be in the future. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. some men, you know, they're on a football team, they play basketball. Of course, they like, oh, people going to think I'm a pump. People going to think I'm weak because I can't, you know, hold my own, stuff like that. It's okay. Yeah, it's going to be embarrassing, but, like, try to find that person, go to some resources, express that stuff out to your close friends, close family. Not even, like, broadcasting it out, but to those people that mean the most to you, that's going to help you, you know, overcome that. So, it's like, that's an option right there. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's... I, I don't want to say it's different. I definitely agree with you. But I feel like uh, it's not... I, I, I hate putting blame on people, but it's not their fault for the way that they express themselves or the way that they learn to express themselves. Right. Because I learned that a child's... And it's not just expressing themselves. It's the the love and respect that they have for themselves. And I feel like love... Not just I feel like. A child's perception or everyone's perception of love is developed before the age of six. So whatever that child goes through or whatever that, uh, yes, whatever that child experiences before the age of six, whether it's nourishing love where this, this mom is like very accepting or the father is very accepting of their child crying or they tell like, or they tell them boys don't cry, boys don't do this, boys don't do that. Like whatever that child learns Mm -hmm. up to that because that's the environmental stage where they observe things and they learn from their environment. So it's like, we tell at that age we tell little boys hey don't cry hey don't do this and yeah. then you send them to you send them to school and you ask them like oh did you get a girlfriend today that at the age of five and six like everybody's thinking it's cute but eventually as that child grows up he's thinking hey i'm supposed to have a girlfriend now yeah. i'm supposed to be tough i'm supposed to be this because this is what i learned from small and i feel like putting that into their minds at that age is what messes us up what messes them up further in the future because it's not that they have a misconception of love for the people around them because you may have treated them well. Mm-hmm. It's a misconception of love for themselves because, like I said, sometimes when these situations happen to you, especially in male situations, you tend to blame yourself because it's like, why was I not tough enough? Why was I not able to stand up to her? Why was I not able to stand up to him and let him do these things to me? So now it's like, to me, I feel like with men, it's more of blaming themselves about the situation. And the more you blame yourself, it's the less you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like to change this situation, we just have to accept that. Because like, when we talk about self-love, we, talk, we see girls talking about it. Right. We don't see men talking about, I love myself, I embrace myself, exactly. this is who I am. Whether 
feminine or completely masculine like we don't see men speaking about well hey this is who i am i like this i like this i like that i like soft movies i like to cry happy like we don't see people talking about that we don't see men talking about that and i feel like because men don't have a i don't want to say they wouldn't have an outlet but because society is not accepting of men talking about that they keep them keep it to themselves and i feel like i wouldn't say it takes one brave person but you just have to be brave enough to own your truth. Like, this is, to me, this is the time where, although society is kind of crazy, it's the time where everything is shifting and changing. Like, people last year were saying it's the year of the woman where, like, female empowerment was, at the, was like, at its highest and right. stuff like that. So I feel like at this moment in time, it's like somebody, you guys have to start speaking out. Whether you're scared, because I was scared to come here today. Mm-hmm. Whether you're scared or not, it's like somebody has to be the one that speaks out right. to be the influence for everybody else around them. Because I don't think that... I don't think that it's toxic masculinity. I just think it's what they learned. Mm -hmm. And sometimes whatever you learned is what you know how to do. So if I learned, hey, instead of expressing my problems, I'm just going to go punch a wall. Mm -hmm. Instead of expressing my problems, I'm just going to play a video game like and pretend that nothing happened. I feel like there needs to be not even more outlets, but more emphasis on the idea that it's for men and women because when I first came here in freshman year like I said I was going through a transition of dealing with the boy and everybody else Mm -hmm. I was so pissed that this school had a um domestic violence um forum Mm -hmm. and um what do you call it oh I'm when you protect yourself, um, self-defense, a self-defense domestic violence forum and only females were allowed to go. Really? Wow. They have it and they have it every single year. Like I'm getting so mad about it. I don't, I don't want to cry, but they have it every single year at the beginning of the school year for freshmen. And it's a self-defense domestic violence forum and all the girls go, but the boys are not allowed to go. Because they said, oh, they're teaching them things in there to protect themselves from the boys. But I'm like, do you understand that some boys out here are abused? Some women boys are, out here... Women are predators as well. That's what, and, that's what, <laughs> and that's what gets me mad. Because it's like, you're out here telling men, you're out here telling women that men are predators. And then expect them not to be the thing that you're painting them out to be. Eventually, when you continue to put pressure on somebody and paint them into a box and paint them into a label, they're going to become what you want them to become. They're going to become the predators. So it's like you're isolating them. The same thing that you said. Isolation, separation from family. Like, you're separating them and telling them, hey, you cannot be a part of this forum. Although you might be getting hurt, you might be getting abused, you cannot be a part of this forum because you're a potential predator. Mm -hmm. I have the potential to be a predator. I'm not a predator, though. Women have the potential to be predators, too. But you're, you're not telling them anything. You're protecting them. So what are you saying? That these black men don't need protection either? Right. Like, it's just double standards, I guess. Yeah, right. And it's sad, but I feel like at some point, people just have to stand up for themselves. And stand up for yourself, Just it's easier said than done. Yeah. And... Yeah, but that really pissed me off. It still pissed me off up to this day. Another thing I could say with that, because um, sometimes it's, it's involving, um, I could say within myself, uh, pride. 
Pride, pride plays a huge part as well. Definitely. Um, because we just, as men, we, we feel like, yo, we could, we could do it. Like, we could do it all, you know. And we could handle every single situation that is put in our hands. But honestly, we can't. Um, once again, because the society says it, you know, that, that we could do any and all things. But sometimes we can't, we don't know what our, what our you know, future holds and stuff like that. We don't know what situations could come our way. So with that being said, the pride aspect, it really plays a huge part because it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm going through this. I don't know how to handle it, but I have to handle it, and I can't tell nobody because they're going to look at me a different mm-hmm. way. Um, so, yeah, pride just, you know, pride also plays a big issue in in, in the male's aspect of, of being a survivor. Not not a victim, but a survivor. I feel like the, those those two words are what, like, separates how a person feels. Because for me, like... There might be people out there, men especially, that see themselves as victims. And because, like you said, the whole pride thing is like, I don't want to speak up and then be ripped of my masculinity. Like, mm-hmm. now I become a victim. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, I need taking care of when I've been doing this. I've been handling all, the whole time by myself. I've been taking care of my family because it happens to girls and men too sometimes. Mm-hmm. I've been taking care of my family. I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. And now I'm a victim. Right. Now I need the taking care of. Now this is not what I'm accustomed to. This is not what I learned. And I feel like taking someone out of their comfort zone is the most, for lack of a better word, uncomfortable thing. Right. But with every, you know, progress in life, there's change. Yeah. So I feel like at some point, I keep repeating this, but at some point somebody has to like, I'm a survivor. <laughs> yeah. Not, I'm a victim. I'm a survivor. I survived this. I. It's not that I don't need your help, but I need you to understand that this is me. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. Stop, stop believing that these things don't happen. Yeah. Stop believing that the world is getting better. Because right. it's, really not but yeah Yeah. there was something else I had to say but I keep forgetting well it's all good because I think we all got class right we all got class but this was such an amazing conversation and it this now you know starts the conversation outside these four walls off this podcast that yo men we gotta speak up like whatever we're going through like yo like forget Forget the opinions. We got to save ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know? So... Despite your reputation and, like, your level in your community or your status on this campus or in your family or wherever you live, like, you have to understand that you, at the end of the day, you're human. Nobody expects you to be perfect. Nobody expects you to be a statue of what a man is supposed to be. That's what I was going to say. People have, like, you have these limitations or these pinpoints that you're supposed to reach as a man. So sometimes it's like, if I say this, maybe I won't reach that pinpoint. You're scared that you won't reach that achievement. But you just have to speak up because at the end of the day, it is your truth. Mm -hmm. And it is a part of who you are. So with that being said, um, thank you so much. We I do this every single episode. Closing remarks. What do you have to say to the people or to the men specifically um, that could get through the situations that you guys have been through or, or, or whatever you feel? 
reach out and express yourself. That's what I would say. Reach out and get to those resources to your best ability and get around a comfortable person or a group of people that you're comfortable around mm-hmm. and express that. At least get it out of right. your system. Just yeah. get around some comfortable people around your circle and okay. just talk to them. I say um, basically the same thing, but I say also to pray about it and write about it. That's what I tell myself. Pray about it, then write about it. Because once you write about it, it makes it real, but it also, it's out of you. And once you pray about it, it's out of you, but you give it to God to fix. It's mm-hmm. no longer your, it is your life, but it's no longer your issue to solve. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the turmoil comes from trying to solve it, whether I'm going to be, like I said, the victim or a survivor. Mm-hmm. That's solving the problem. I feel like it comes from that. So I think once you write about it, pray about it, and give it to God, then the problem no, be, no longer becomes yours. It becomes the universe and God's problem to, mm-hmm. you know, mold to the betterment of you. Yeah. And then, yeah. Wow. Um, so before we go, there's some uh, men. Listen. If, if there's something going on mm. in, in any type of situation, um, reach out, speak up, uh, pray. Because um, somebody, whoever, they will listen, regardless mm-hmm. if it's from a spiritual side or a physical side. Somebody is out there to listen. So uh, for those on Virginia State's campus, you know, Foster Hall, room 301, um, University Counseling. Um, in Memorial Hall on the fourth floor, and as well as the Title IX building, and you need to contact Miss Howard if you're going through anything. Once again, earlier, Miss Braxton said that only about six or seven men on this campus had reported, you know, that they were going through, um, you know, a domestic violence issue. But there's probably many more that just haven't been, that have have gone unsaid. One in four men, mm-hmm. literally, in America. Um, as well, if you're not on Virginia State's campus or, you know, in, in areas that have, like, James houses or such, um, there's one that's close by that is um, a counseling center of the James House, which is by appointment, on 229 North Sycamore Street in Petersburg, Virginia. Uh, telephone number is 804-732-1711. Um, there's places in Sussex County, um, Prince George, Virginia, um, many other places, you know, across this nation that is willing to help out men as well as women already. So with that being said, thank you for listening. Uh, just have a blessed day. See you.